Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Brooko Mode. In this episode, I'm joined by Zane Shalaba Healy. Transitioning into full-time CrossFit, this man is driven, committed, and switched on. He gave me so much value from his experiences so far. Expect to learn more about why he stopped football and went into CrossFit, how to focus on process over outcomes, why it's so important to chase your dreams, and how to not be held back by others by getting out of the same cycle, the power of small habits and a supportive environment, including his girlfriend, why not putting ourselves into uncomfortable situations enough makes life harder, the power of the self-story and showing up, why hard work and leaving no stone unturned is everything, and much, much more. This was such a good reflective chat, and I resonate so strongly with a lot of the core messages in this conversation. I'm sure you guys can relate in some way and get something out of it for yourselves. Let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people what was happening, you got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice yeah. to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Stop judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. Outwork everyone. What does that mean to you? basically the mantra of the gym that I train at. So I've been there for like two years now under our coach Costa and the the Dignus Athletica or the Dignus name um, basically means outwork everyone. So it's just kind of leaving nothing to chance and all the little one percenters that you do kind of add up. And if you continue with them, then I, I feel like that outworks everyone and your kind of results stem from that, I think. When was the one moment you sort of decided that you were all in for this CrossFit journey. Far out. That's a hard one. Um, so I, yeah, so it was post my ACL. So I did my had ACL reconstruction in August of 2020. I did my uh, about six months of rehab with that. And then basically in January, I kind of just said to myself one day, because I was already coaching at a CrossFit gym, um, that I'm just going to jump into this. I don't really want to go back to football and the culture and think, uh, 
that kind of thing um, just wasn't really resonating with me anymore and I kind of wanted to put something on myself. So, yeah, basically January 2021, I just started doing the classes at the gym that I was coaching at and didn't really look back from there. So 2020, your last year of football, was was your last game in a, a grand final? Where was it? No, it wasn't. So I did um, – so I played Colts 2018, then I moved into the reserves for 2019 and 2020. I didn't really play much in 2019 for the for the reserves. I think I maybe cracked like four games or – yeah, I think it was about four games. And then um, that was actually the year I partially tore my ACL. So early in the preseason of that year, I partially tore it. I did my um, – it was uh, like three months of just um, – rehab so you didn't have to get the surgery with the partial tear and then I came back on that second half of the year um and then just played a few games for the reserves and then a few games in Scarborough and then 2020 um I pretty much played that whole season but wasn't getting many games for the reserves again so I was playing ammos for Scarborough and then I actually had to get the the ACL surgery just because my ACL wasn't hanging on anymore at the end of the year. So I just decided to make that call about three quarters of the way through the year of the season and, yeah, just bit the bullet and went and got the surgery. So what drew you to CrossFit? Obviously, you said you experimented with it, but what is the reason that you kept persisting with it? Yeah, so, I mean, I was watching all the CrossFit documentaries when I was kind of uh, going all through my rehab, uh, trying to learn more about the sport as well because I was obviously coaching it. So I had to do a a level one in the CrossFit, but obviously didn't understand still a lot of it. I understood a lot of the movements, but maybe not the methodology as much. Um, So just going through that, just watching the documentaries, all the behind the scenes at the CrossFit Games, and it was just such a uh, surreal experience to kind of watch these things and say, I don't think any other sport kind of has this uh, maybe culture uh, and the things that you get to do in the sport. So, um, yeah, it was just uh, kind of a culmination of all the, the different aspects of, you know, the weightlifting, the gymnastics, the running, the swimming, the bike riding even. Um, and I was like, fire out. No other sport kind of does all these things together. So, yeah, it just really intrigued me. Can you explain more about CrossFit? Because I feel like, there's a I don't know a bit of a not a stigma but there's like I feel like people don't fully understand what CrossFit is even I'm still a bit ignorant to what it entails Mm -hmm. so maybe talk about what CrossFit is what you sort of learnt along the journey about CrossFit and what sort of you know competitions there are sort of in CrossFit yeah so I mean I had to look this up so the the definition of CrossFit is um so constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity Okay, so it's um, no no competition is the same in CrossFit, but basically what it entails or what CrossFit is. So you've got Olympic weightlifting, you've got your basic weightlifting, so you've got deadlifts, back squats as well. You've also then got gymnastics aspects, so uh, muscle-ups and handstand walking, handstand push-ups, and then it can also involve, you know, the cardio kind of side of things, so running, swimming, bike riding, rowing, um, but yeah, basically every competition is different. So there's no two competitions that are going to have the same events. And that kind of comes down to the event organisers of each one. So in Perth, there's, you know, there's all the local the, the local uh, competitions throughout the year, um, whether that be like pairs comps or uh, individual comps here. Uh, but then the main kind of the CrossFit season, the way that it kind of starts out is the whole world enters or whoever wants to in the CrossFit uh, community does the CrossFit open. So basically you pay $20 US and over three weeks, uh, one workout is um, given out 
or written by CrossFit HQ. And basically, yeah, so the whole world does that. So then from the Open, um, the top 10% of each continent, so you've got Australia, uh, you've got South America, North America as well, then you've got like Asia, um, where we've got Africa, Europe, yeah. yeah, Europe, and then South America. Um, so they're the, the seven ones that, um, yeah, I think it's seven. Um, so the top 10% from the world, the top 10% in each continent go through to the quarterfinals, which is the a couple of weeks after the CrossFit Open, and that's an also an online competition. Um, now, the CrossFit quarterfinals, there's five workouts released over the course of one weekend, and you basically have to do these five workouts. You film them, you know, with your name, where you're from, um, uh, with a judge and everything like that. So once you do those five workouts, then the depending on what region you are in the world, uh, o- Oceania has – or Oceania – so, which is a New Zealand and Australia. Uh, so, we're the same uh, division. So, the top 30 men and the top 30 women go to the semifinals, um, which is what we made this year in the Torium Pro. Uh, North America and South America have a little bit more spots just because of the amount of participants that they have in the open and quarterfinals. Um, and then from the top 30 men and the top 30 women or whatever uh, division is, uh, how many spots you get in each uh, continent, then the top three men and the top three women from Oceania get to go to the CrossFit Games, which is the top 40 men in the world and the top 40 women in the world. So it's a confusing one, yeah. like how it breaks down. But basically, yeah, it goes from the whole world and then you've got, you know, the best of the best from each continent um, to go against each other at the CrossFit Games. I imagine when you started your CrossFit journey... There would have been, you know, a few gym exercises that you loved, but there would have been a lot of things that were unfamiliar and sort of out of your comfort zone, those functional movements. How did you learn to just embrace it and dig into it? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I obviously done a lot through um, through football, just like the strength and conditioning sides. So you do all your normal, like, squats and deadlifts. And then, obviously, I've been in the gym as well, you know, just as a normal teenager, just going with your mates and stuff, um, trying to do some bench press. And then, try. yeah, I think... Um, trying to learn the Olympic lifts is probably the hardest thing. It's a lot more technical. So I, I had to be coached for a long time, um, it just from the guys uh, who, who owned my gym at the time. And then also just watching videos on videos on videos. And it's basically just trial and error until you just become more efficient in those movements. So um, there's no one way to try and get better at them. I feel like it's just trying to hone in and get that little bit better each session that you do. Um, it, yeah, it's a long journey. I'm still learning a lot, like even three years, or yeah, two and a half years, three years down the track, still learning plenty. So, When you went into this sport, I'm interested when you start to maybe create goals and get a vision because I feel like once you, once you start and you're new, it's sort of just like you're, just, you're trying it, but then you start to realise you're good at this and you find a sort of passion and a purpose in this field. I'm interested in do you have goals? Do you, How do you sort of because we're talking about the process and getting better and better what sort of keeps you on that journey i think starting off i was like straight away i want to do really well at this i feel like a lot of the sports i did as younger i was always not naturally gifted because i put in a lot of work but always did quite well at the sports or anything that i kind of tried to do in that aspect um so just originally my goal was just to make the torium pro which is the top 30 men and the top 30 women so i gave myself by 20 23 which was this year yeah so made it then um so basically four months into the sport i went i traveled over to brisbane on my own just to go watch the event and kind of see what it was all about so i'd only be doing crossfit for four months and i 
as soon as I was there, I just I was in this like big stadium at Pat Rafter Arena, and I was like, I definitely want to be here in the next couple of years. I know it's not going to happen straight away, but this is definitely my first goal. So, I think originally my first goal was that, and then um, in the last probably year, just the way that my training's gone and the way that I've kind of improved myself. Um, yeah, my goal is to make that top the top three in Australia, um, and qualify for the CrossFit Games and I know that's not going to happen in the next you know one or two years it's more of like a next three or four year goal that I'm looking for um but yeah I feel like you just got to take each step at a time because you've got to you've got to hit certain goals before you can kind of progress to the next one so just making the Torium Pro and then this year made the I finished 14th out of the top 30 in Australia um yeah so that was the first goal just making it there and then yeah I think from there I've kind of just a little bit more hungry um and just kind of want to see what I can accomplish in this. So do you try and set up sort of little rewards for yourself? Because I feel like if you have one big goal of, you know, top three in Australia, it can be a grind, like an absolute grind because it's just – but how do you sort of – is it personal best? Is it sticking to the process, getting support from the people around you? Because I just feel like – mentally it's it it, it, i feel like it's externally for me oh he's he's driving for this big thing but for you it's it's you're waking up early you're doing two three sessions a day like it's an absolute grind how do you stay how do you get joy from that journey yeah like it's not always super joyful like not every single day you want to go into the gym and have to do the things you do um but i feel like they're the days that you probably get the most out of it because the days that you don't feel like doing it um, and you, you know, you might not hit something at a hundred percent, but at least you're doing it. You're going to get that little bit further forward than someone who might not have done it. So I think originally this year, um, my goal was just to finish in that kind of top half just cause it was my first year there. Um, coming into next year now, I'm wanting to stay in that top eight throughout the weekend. So the top eight is the top eight guys. Um, so I just want to stick with those top eight guys throughout the whole weekend. Um, that's my goal trying to come into the 2024 season. And then from there, I feel like it's just trying to pick off spots, you know, as you move it through the years and you move up. Um, as I, yeah, as you said, it's, it seems like a massive goal to just be top three against these guys that have been doing this sport for eight, ten years now. So, um, yeah, it's not something that you can just jump straight into. But uh, in terms of, like, little goals, it's just, um, you know, getting that little bit stronger. Or, you know, this is why this is why we retest things and maybe get that little bit fitter on the bike or a little bit better time on the 2K roll or things like that. Um, but, yeah, for sure, I feel like it's just setting those little goals that um, not trying to say, okay, I want to snatch 130 kilos when you can only snatch 100, you know. It's like, all right, let's hit 105. And then, you know, that next goal is just to hit 105 consistently and then you'll go for that next personal best. So, yeah, it's just small goals and, you know, they add up over time. There's a big mantra you speak about hard work and I've taken a few lines from your Instagram. You've said, I've always pushed through even on the days I didn't want to so that I could get the results that I knew were going to come. How much more did you realize how you could work so much harder than you realized once you started really pushing your own limits? Yeah, I think it's just, um, so we get our programming done by Underdogs Athletics, which is just one of the many training camps in the CrossFit space. So I feel like it's just once you're hitting every single piece that you've been, you know, um, in your program that day and you've, you know, you haven't left anything to chance, you know, you've done everything, you know, to the best of your ability. Um, I think that's the most important part is just getting every ounce that you can out of each training session or out of each piece um but i feel like a a lot with crossfit people think more is better 
um, especially people that might have started out, then they've gotten pretty good pretty quick, you know what I mean? So they've they've made some really big strides um, and they just think more is better and they just got to keep training and adding more pieces in. But I think one of the biggest things that is super undervalued in CrossFit is um, the recovery side of things. Uh, so the outside of the gym, so your nutrition, your sleep, um, you know, getting in an ice bath or a sauna, um, having a full day off, you know, so on Sundays I do like no training at all. So I'll train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, double sessions, Thursday, I'll do a swim and a bike. And then Friday and Saturday, I'll do a double session. And then Sunday, I'll have completely off. So it's that day just to allow your body to kind of heal and reset where um, some people might not have that day. They might just try and train through the whole week with maybe a little bit less volume, but it's not giving their bodies any time to recover. So yeah, I feel like the the little one percenters on the outside of the gym is just as important as what you're doing inside the gym. What do you think about Something I'm interested in is like the intention with training because I feel like you can get set something mm. like an exercise, but but it's also like how you execute that because objectively it might be the same exercise, but how you sort of you know d- perform that functional movement can be so different based on your intent with the actual exercise. Yeah, so I mean, uh, with our program, um, a lot of it is we kind of have little notes in each part of it written by our coach. So obviously with the lifting, you just want to be able to hit your percentages. You want to hit your numbers, uh, feeling good without any misses. That's the main goal of most lifting sessions uh, with good technique. And then when it comes to um, more of your like aerobic sides, your rowing pieces, your bike pieces, uh, you just want to try and hit hit your numbers that you're to maybe um, – an EMOM so every minute on the minute you want to try and hit like 18 cows on the bike and you just want to keep trying to progress with that so if you can hit those numbers easier and easier each time then you know you're getting that little bit fitter um so it's, it's quite hard with the aerobic pieces because it's, it's not very often in the crossfit um in competitions that it's just going to be one monostructural piece so you've kind of just got to be like pushing your paces all the time or maybe sometimes holding back because you're not always going to be able to go at 100 percent when a rowing when rowing is in a workout um, so I feel like with, uh, with your training, it's the time to try and push things and maybe go to failure in some things or maybe not hit a number that you want to hit because if you don't try it in a competition, if you're going to, uh, sorry, if you don't try it in training, if you try it in a competition and it doesn't pay off, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of a harder pill to swallow and it might, you know, mess your competition up in that way in terms of placings and points so yeah i feel like with training it's just that's the time to try and push and um if you fail you fail it's only training and you know you can just get back up and get on with the next piece kind of thing how important is it that you have it sounds like you're very process oriented with the tracking side of it and i feel like a lot of people who are, are gymming by themselves don't have coaches have that sort of lack of guidance and that can be their downfall because it's all on them but the sort of the blessing in disguise is like, you know, freedom can actually be a curse because you're, you're given this structure, you're looking at objective numbers. Do you find that easier to stick to what you're doing? Yeah, personally, I'm like a little bit OCD with that. Like I love being given something. If, I, if I'm if i given the freedom to do something now, I kind of kind of stresses me out a little bit. So um, yeah, even leading into a comp when you have a deload or something, our deload's not programmed for us because we're on uh, a program that we share with other people so um if we had to come up with something that would be like super stressful for me so i find it really helpful the um to be given something given numbers to hit 
Um, and then if they say one day, oh, you can try and push these numbers a little bit, then there's the time to go a little bit harder. But um, I feel like with a structure, if you're able to, if you're able to follow that, um, personally, just for me, yeah, I just find it really easy to follow. Um, and then you can kind of tick each thing off as it goes, where if you're not following your program, you kind of can get lost as in doing too much or, you know, doing too little or not hitting things with the right intensity that I feel like some people might fall in the trap with. I want to know about the mind space with this whole journey. You've been a three-year journey so far and I want to know what it's like in your head during the hard times and how you've learnt to maybe work on new skills and, and stick to pushing through that adversity and then and the voices in your head that is, is telling you to stop, to give up. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the main thing that I feel like people probably don't understand is like, oh, might not want to do CrossFit or people that have tried CrossFit, like it, it really hurts. Um, and it's kind of, it's purely on yourself how much you want to kind of ignore the ignore the pain and just keep pushing through. Um, but I kind of just try and remember, I break workouts down into numbers and, th- uh, yeah, into numbers where, you know, I might be a quarter of a way through the workout. I'm like, all right, you've got three quarters that are to go you know so I'm not trying to look at it as a whole I kind of try and break things down into smaller pieces and that makes it a little bit easier um, for myself anyway to get through certain workouts Um, but yeah I feel like just pushing through that adversity in those really hard times is when you get a lot better especially looking back now things that I'm doing now I wouldn't have even imagined three years ago so I feel like it's just a it's a journey and you you know, you don't look at it each day and you're like, wow, I've gotten so much better from day to day. But then you look back six months, you look back a year and you're like, shit, it's not even the same person, you know? Mm. I'm interested in that sort of thing because you can you can really grow so much when you f- like fully commit to the process of getting better. Yeah. But I feel like what stops a lot of people is, was my show motto, is like embracing the uncertainty because it, it's really hard in your head. You want to be somewhere, but you don't have the evidence for it. So do you have sort of things that hold you like, I don't know, there's a lot of things like give yourself the evidence, confidence comes from the action. What sort of mindset stuff do you sort of remind yourself of to keep in that process? I think just show up every day. So it's like just no matter what, like I'm, I'm always going to – on the training days, I'm just going to always make sure that I show up and put in – you know, even if I don't feel like it, put in my 100% effort because that's all I can do on that day. And then people, if they're not willing to put in that work as well, then that that's kind of on them. So, um, yeah, I feel like just making sure that I've always shown up with the, the right intent and I, I've got to make sure that I love this thing as well. So I feel like a lot of people... Uh, try and strive for results and they they might be doing things for the wrong reasons in terms of their sport or in, in CrossFit as well because it is something to you have to really enjoy doing. So it might be really painful and it might hurt at certain times, but um, it has to be something that you look after the workout and you're like, all right, I really love doing that. I love feeling the way I did after that workout. Um, so, yeah, I feel like some people do it for the wrong, re- wrong reasons, but I'm purely just doing this for me and seeing how far I can go. Um, and I just genuinely love just going in the gym every day with my partner as well. So we're both on this together, and it's just it's so rewarding to see um, how far you've come and how far, obviously, the strides you've made in three years and how what another three years can kind of bring, as long as you're still enjoying it and loving mm. it, I think. What's been the biggest differences then you speak about so much has changed? Is it is it friends? Is it the way you feel about yourself? Is it the purpose you feel in life? What sort of major differences are there? Yeah, so my whole life, it, 
completely flipped on its head. So um, when I started it for the first nine months, um, you know, I was still partying every weekend. I was still going out, you know, two, three days a week. No stress, you know, getting on the piss with the guys and still training, but not getting what I wanted out of it. And I knew that I knew deep down that I wouldn't be able to get what I want out of it if I continued this path. Um, so it was basically, yeah, when I, I moved I moved gyms to, to where I am now, Dignus, um, and met my partner, I basically saw how she was going about it and she was uh, probably about six months down in front of me in terms of when she had started and she kind of just said, oh, yeah, like I'm not drinking, I, I like I don't drink, I don't go out, um, I have lost friends and um, as such and I was basically well if this girl is going to do this and put all of her time into it if I want to be with her not if I want to be with her but um, if I want to get the places that we both want to go then unfortunately it comes with sacrifices um, so I basically cold turkeyed it um, and a lot of people just didn't understand that so I basically just cut a lot of friends off um, still speak to some of them now um, but yeah, it was a complete 180 flip and no one really understood it and no one really understood it for the first two years, um, that I wasn't going out or anything. Um, but I feel like now that they're seeing this trajectory that I'm on, they see maybe my Instagram, I still speak to some of them. Um, I think they're understanding a little bit more and I find, um, it's really hard to, um, convince people that you're doing something for a good reason without any evidence <laughs> you know what i mean um so i had nothing to show for this they're like oh you're just training full-time you're getting nothing out of it like are you getting paid or anything and i was like nah i'm just kind of just riding this wave seeing how good i can get um without any evidence to show how how i or why i'd done this um so now down the track two years or 18 months uh, i feel like some people or my old mates are understanding a lot more kind of where i'm where i'm at that's yeah that resonates strongly and i feel like that's probably the biggest thing that holds people back to actually pursuing what they want to they've got all these things that are like sort of holding them back and these fears in their head but that's um it's incredible how much has how much has changed and yeah and it's people might view it as selfish but at the end of the day you're only doing it to get the best out of you and your life and if people can't understand that then you, you sort of just have to let go of, of the need to win everyone's approval. Yeah, I always wanted something bigger than just like the the normal job. I always felt like there was something bigger for me with that. Like when I was younger, I really wanted to, you know, play AFL and that was my goal and um, was striving for that. And then when things don't work out, um, it just so it happened that something brand new fell in my lap and, um, yeah, ba- basically just dived in the deep end. And, you know, it took a long time for a lot of the guys to understand or maybe stop asking me to go out just because they knew that uh, what the answer was going to be in the end but um you know i've still got really good relationships and now that they're understanding a lot more then you can have the conversations that you might not have been able to have a few years ago because you just didn't really have anything to back it up with you're like mm. yeah i'm just training they're like what is crossfit what is this um but now that i've got kind of this evidence behind me and i've got you know um little milestones that i've achieved or that i can basically train full time now it's um i feel like they they've understood a lot more and it's, it's a lot easier to have like a a friendship without relying on alcohol drugs partying um it's a more yeah a lot more of an adult friendship and it's it, yeah it's a really you, good thing do you wish it could have been done differently in the sense that like you, you you shouldn't have to provide evidence for them to almost validate what you're doing like i feel like with friends like it's it's hard because you, a lot of the bonds you have with people especially early 20s it's around alcohol it's around partying 
But if you're wanting to pursue your dreams, having very supportive friends, which I have, it's so beneficial. Um, was that was that hard? Not not having everyone understand what you're doing and almost like questioning it. I think that's a thing. Like a lot of people have maybe a lot more mainstream dreams. Um, so uh, maybe not nine to five, but they want to hit certain goals, and your friends might understand that a little bit more. But when it's such a big leap, and you're jumping into a sport, or you're jumping into something that a lot of people don't understand, it's a lot hard to try to convince them with that. Where if you've got friends who you're like, you're you're playing footy, for example, so maybe aspirations to you know play AFL or get as far as you can with that. Probably a lot of the boys you've grown up with or your best mates you've been watching AFL together you've been playing AFL together so imagine them going with you on that journey and then when you make it they understand it completely because they've seen you go through this where I feel like a lot of the guys that I kind of ended ties with or um, just weren't hanging out with anymore they just didn't understand what I was jumping into so it, it is super hard for them to be supportive and that's not their fault as fault at all um it's just you know it's something that i had to deal with and um kind of just have to had to grow and just be the bigger person and just say look i got to put you in the back burner for a little bit because i just got to chase what i want mm. so. do you reckon you went through a bit like of speak about it like the lonely chapter where you don't have the the outcomes to like validate your your what you're doing but you know within you that you, you're chasing something how long was that and when did you start to f- form new connections, um, meet your girlfriend, find this new gym and how much easier was that when you started to surround yourself with the like-minded people? Yeah, I feel like as soon as I moved to this gym, it, it everything just kind of changed. So I just became friends with these new people who had kind of similar mindsets, maybe not aspirations like myself but they still wanted to train you know they still led led a healthier lifestyle than what I was leading and living in the past um and I guess with the loneliness not as much because I had my partner basically from day one that we met each other like I can't probably think of more than like a week we haven't been with it you know without seeing each other kind of thing and that was only recently so I feel like having someone um on the same wavelength as you and you know chasing the same thing it, it doesn't feel as lonely I actually funnily enough probably felt a lot lonelier um before I started uh hanging out with all these new people so I probably felt a lot lonelier when you're you're hung over on a, a Sunday or a Saturday night when you you're really drunk and you're going home just alone you're not going to your mate's house or anything they're probably the times I felt a lot more lonely um just because I didn't really have any um any goal you know I didn't really feel like I had any like purpose or meaning at that time so um even though I wasn't I'm not I wasn't hanging out with as many friends when I moved to the new gym and I kind of you know left a lot of my old friends behind I felt like I had a purpose again um and that you know I feel like it's uh, it's quality over quantity. So you don't need heaps and heaps of friends to kind of, you know, validate yourself. I had like these this really good core group now who had the same values and yeah, I think from then just kind of yeah, progress forward. You found your vision, you sort of knew where you wanted to get to. If you can dream it, you can have it. What advice would you give to people who have these sort of ambitions but they're holding themselves back and they might be listening and they and they want they want to take it on. They want to do what you do. You're starting to get the evidence. You know, things are starting to really happen for you, but it's been a long journey. What can you give to the people? I think you just got to know that it's not going to happen overnight. 
and, it, and it's a hard thing and that's a really hard pill to swallow that you're not just going to get good at something really quickly. You're not going to pick something up really quickly. So I feel like just like enjoy the process, enjoy the journey that you're going to be on um, because, it, you know, it's not going to come easy. But when you see the rewards, it's it's so much more satisfying than, um, you know, if you had of if it's a what if, you know, if you never chased it or you never went for it. So, yeah, I just feel like enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And then when you look back on it, it's like, wow, I've done these things that I probably didn't think I could have done before. So do you live a bit with that regret framework in the sense that like, you don't want to get to however old and be like, fuck, I didn't give it a crack. Like I knew I wanted to do that, but I, I didn't give it a go. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think if you don't put, I gave myself probably like five or six years to see where I could go with this because by the time I'd be done, I'd only be 25, 26. That's still very young. A lot of people try and jump in things way too early and I feel like try and get their life set way too early without knowing what they really want to do. So they might just start falling into that trap of just working for their whole life already. Um, So basically when I started it, I said, you know, I both have, had both my parents support greatly back then um still do now but obviously i'm a little bit older now so rely on myself a little bit more um but yeah i just felt like if i didn't give five or six years to see how well i could do and then you kind of after the first probably two i could see that i was getting a lot better a lot quicker and i was meeting goals and meeting milestones so i could see that it was worth it where maybe if people are doing something for a three to four years and they're not seeing results or anything, that's maybe where you look at something else or you might look into another route of going into a work uh, work environment. But, um, yeah, I've just seen the results and I've just got to, you know, give myself another couple of years to see where I can, you know, progress with this. So you feel like it's just the instant gratification thing. We just – we almost just need the results. But to me, like – on my own journey, I feel like it almost takes you away a little bit if you get it. If you get it too easy, it in the back of your head, you, you start to ask your questions, well, were my dreams big enough if I really got them that easy? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's such a hard thing because you mentioned before that you now you're going to play with West Perth. You probably ha- you, ha- you haven't played in the waffle before. No. So it's been this whole you know journey to get to here. And it hasn't happened where some guys, you know, jump straight into the waffle system at like 15, 16 or even 14 years old in the development system. And they're like, oh, I'm already there. And they just kind of ride this wave and just they're straight into it where you've had to really work for it. And then how much more rewarding does it feel now that you've, that people have seen the hard work you've put in and now it's paying off. So, yeah, I feel like in that aspect, it can be really, you know, super happy if you get that goal really quick but then again I got it when I was 14 playing footy and I you know have really thought that I could play AFL when I was older and then when something doesn't happen I had six seven eight years of in that system and then I got really nothing to show for it you know what I mean so Mm. um yeah I feel like working something you get you get way more out of it um than trying to just get that instant gratification it shifts the baseline as well like if you I spoke to this bloke named Lockie McKay. He was very dominant in his junior years and it, it shifts the baseline because then the expectation is you've got to be at this certain level and if you s- perform under that, then it's not you're not going to feel good and it's pretty hard to feel good if your expectations are, are so high, yep. um, which is why for me, it's my f- journey's been so rewarding with footy, but it's because I've had to really work hard for it and I wasn't in waffle systems mm-hmm. early on. I'm interested in how you can apply CrossFit, the lessons you learn in CrossFit and about yourself to like everyday life. Because 
one of my things with the the link between mental health and physical health is I feel like people make little things big, but it's because they don't have that perspective. And I feel like when you really, really push your body and you put your mind in, in uncomfortable situations, you learn to become very resilient. So how has pushing your body to its extreme helped with sort of the everyday little stresses? Yeah, I mean, when I look at big picture things, so it's like maybe uh, for the first two or two years, I say that I was doing CrossFit, you know, I was work, I wasn't working much because I was trying to put all this time into CrossFit. I wasn't making any money though from CrossFit because I hadn't done anything. I didn't have anything to show for it. Um, so it was, it was super hard to just try and like keep going keep going, keep going. But I knew there was so much bigger on the horizon and there were so much worse things that like I could be going through. Um, I mean, I got to train all day. I got to train as much as I was um, while still making a little bit of money. And now that, you know, I can make money through training, it's such a rewarding thing. Um, but then you say things like with the mental health, I feel like I don't want to say people um, are weak or weak-minded, but I feel like a lot of people don't put themselves uh, in situations that they can allow themselves to be tested, they kind of just quit on it really quickly. So I feel like they haven't done many challenging things in their life and that can like lead to, you know, maybe depression or lead to a lot more anxiety because they're just scared to do hard things where I've dealt with a lot of things when I was uh, a lot younger, um, you know, went through heaps of mental health struggles and I put that basically just on the on the alcohol and the partying and the and the drugs aspects and things um so i mean i felt so much worse in that situation where um i just had you just don't have the people around you um so when you're around like-minded people who are tr- trying to like push you to strive you to do the best things and you're doing hard things together there's not much that can you know, really knock me anymore. Like even an, an ice bath, it sounds super silly, but like an ice bath is basically purely mental. You know what I mean? Anyone can jump in an, a, a tub of ice, but um, the things that I do in training, I know are so much harder than that, that you can kind of push through it. So I feel like if people put themselves in uncomfortable situations more, it makes them a lot more resilient mm. um, in that aspect. And yeah, I feel like it would make them a lot stronger as a person. It's personally how I feel. You speak about, struggles a bit earlier I feel like <coughs> the perception that you would get a lot of people would have looked at you and your situation in your teenage years would have really like wanted to be you quite quite popular doing very well in sport but how different can the perception be to like the internal reality yeah so like I was really good from like 18 19 kind of thing like I was just you know coming into my adult years you know just starting you're going out with your mates and things but then I feel like you get into you get into a cycle um, and that was where things kind of took a bit of a turn you know um, whether that be um, your relationship just not going as well as you happen or you go through a breakup and um, or, or something similar and then everything just kind of piles on top of each other but you don't really um you don't really get out of that cycle. You just continue to live the same week over and over. So it's like Monday to Friday, yeah, cool, going to do, going to work or, you know, going to TAFE, went to TAFE for a little bit. And then the weekend's just the same. So it's, you know, Friday out with the boys, Saturday out with the guys, Sunday maybe as well. And then you wake up Monday and you're feeling shit, but you do it all again. Um, Yeah, so I feel like those younger years, the footy culture as well, it's not, all that it's cracked up to be um, in certain situations. So um, I just didn't feel like I had a real 
purpose when I was playing football towards the end and I just felt a little bit, you know, lonely and excluded just because of that certain culture. And then when I kind of was leaving footy or around that time, that was when it was probably like the worst because I didn't really feel like I had a meaning or a purpose anymore. Um, so yeah, that I had some, you know, terrible times, but then, you know, when you find something that you really enjoy and you find something you can put like all your, your, your eggs into one basket, or not into one basket, but something that you can really strive for and push towards. And I feel like that's just like, it changes everything. Mm. Yeah. No, I feel like you definitely sugarcoated it. People are scared to push themselves and that's just the facts. People are quite weak minded, but it's, I, I, it's, I don't blame people in the sense that like, there's so many it's so easy to access instant gratification now like the environment the world is set up for you to not thrive because in the sense that like you're just being surrounded with these dopamine hits and and people don't go out of their way to push the boundaries mentally physically spiritually whatever it is to grow as people which when you look at your journey objectively like from just bird's eye view that's what you've done you've you've taken yourself out of the cycle and you've put yourself in a new, harder environment, training, pushing your mental and physical body, and then you've you've really grown as a person. But I don't think you would have been able to do that in the same way if you were continuing that cycle. But it's really, really hard for people to let go and take control because it's it's on them. But how how do you get out of that victim victim mindset almost? Yeah, like, as I said, so for the first nine months that I started, like, I was still going out, but but I made little shifts. So, like, from going out a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I wouldn't go out a Friday because then I would have training on a Saturday. So I feel like, again, it's it's small changes over time. Um, so, what, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't go out a Friday just so I could train on a Saturday, and then I wouldn't go out on a Sunday so I could feel good on a Monday. So that means you're taking two days going out, spending all that money to just maybe going out one day a week on a Saturday and still having a really good time with your friends. Um, so I'm not saying you have to cold turkey anything like I did at the end um, where I just completely flipped the switch and just pulled myself out of that situation. It's just making small changes over a long period of time, you know, um, like quitting smoking or anything like that. It's, it'd be super hard just to do it straight away. You've got to just kind of gradually break it down. Um, and I feel like that's probably the way for most people that they can do it and might make themselves feel a little bit better where they're not just withdrawing themselves out of a situation straight away, leaving their friends, leaving everything. Um, just kind of making small shifts and letting people know around them that these shifts are going to happen and, you know, you don't have to be worried about me. I'm doing something that I really love. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like just small changes over a long period of time is the way to go. Yeah, I feel like your identity is forged from your behaviours, but it's it's really hard just to wake up one day because your identity sits at the core of who you are and influences what you do. But every every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. But it's I think that's I think that's saying I'm rereading Atomic Habits for the fucking whatever time because it's such a powerful book about how the small things can accumulate. And we probably haven't spoken about that enough because I feel like that's the best advice you can give to someone who's stuck in a cycle. You just need to show yourself that you can change. You can take control of your life and you you can be the person you want to be, but it's not going to happen overnight. But you just have to start by proving to yourself that things can happen if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Like you can you can be pigeonholed and then pigeonholed into another thing. Like my whole my whole younger or school years, I was just the sport boy, you know, you know, so, you know, like I wasn't stupid. I wasn't, you know, uh, 
wasn't not smart at school. I just didn't really try as much because I just wanted to do sport, sport, sport. So I was probably pigeonholed just as that athletic kid. And then you get pigeonholed after school as I was just playing football for a couple of years and then pigeonholed again as I was just going out all the time. And, you know, you have your group of friends and, you know, they have their groups of friends. So you all kind of know each other and you just you kind of put in one situation. And then when you withdraw yourself from that, people might not uh, might not understand it because you've just kind of pulled yourself out of a situation that you were labelled as. Um, and maybe now I'm just pigeonholed as, you know, the CrossFitter. You've got to put yourself in situations that you have to be willing to be judged by other people, you know, because mm. everyone's going to, you know, judge you for what you do, but that's purely based on your actions. So you kind of, you're the, you're the reason people think the things they do about you. And your actions kind of, you know, show that. Yeah. Uh, it's a sort of a little theory I was coming up with that inspired from another podcast, which is I call it the impossible game. We change our games to please others or try to win their games to spite them. No matter how successful we are at winning this game, we have lost simply because we are not playing our game. Most of the time they don't even know we are playing their game. So I think no matter how successful you are at winning the pigeonholed life, it's not the one you truly want to live. Yep. So that's where you've sort of found your purpose, more of your passion, because now you can win this. And, you know, it's not someone else's game. You could be so successful at whatever people want you to do, but you're not going to feel that true internal happiness if it's not your game. Yeah. So when you're saying you're playing someone else's game, like you might not want to go out all the time, but if you, all your friends are and you're the one that's left out, then you just get drawn straight into what they're doing. Or I feel like the people you hang around with, you get, you get pulled out of what you want to focus on and what you want to achieve so you can make other people happy. And I feel like a lot of people, um, yeah, probably get a little bit distracted about what they want just to try and make others around them happy when what others around them are doing might not be beneficial to what they they want in their life. So how do how do people actually start to reflect on life? This is I'm even curious myself. I keep reflecting on this. I'm I can only look at my situation and, and realise, you know, how fortunate I was to have opportunities to do what I want to do. But people feel pressured to go into the nine to five and then pursue university and, and like we said, we talk about pigeonholing, but there is there's so much noise that people feel from the external world. But I don't think people realise how much more they could do. That let's say you're doing a nine to five, right? Mm. And you have these these business ideas or something, you could put one hour a night after a nine to five from eight, eight to nine, one hour a night, if, if you wanted to, just for a couple months to see how it went or a couple of weeks, whatever. But I think people just, you know, it, it's not that instant reward and they feel trapped, but people, there's so much time that people have. They just do all the associated behaviors with the pigeonholed life that they never show themselves there is another option. And then almost when they see people doing their own things that they're loving, they just think, oh, that's not me. I, that's not for me. Yeah. But they don't realise how capable they are. How easy it is to... It's actually not... To me, I I don't know if it's hard or not because I feel like people never... It's not hard once you show yourself how easy it is. Mm-hmm. But the hardest thing is is almost being willing to take that first step. Yep. And, and that small actions you take proves to yourself that you can do it. You can do something. And then as soon as there's that like flick in your... That switch that flicks in your head, it can really change your life. But I think a lot of people are stuck in the cycle that they're in and they almost it's easier to bring other people down. Like it's almost easier to bring Zane down yep. instead of trying to aspire to what he's doing and his level. Yeah. I feel like some people might see people as 
they're like, oh, they're doing so much more. Like I could never do that. But it didn't start as so much more. It started as something, you know, like I wasn't training as much as I was back at the start. It just starts, you know, it starts at a point where you're just doing a little bit more than you just start, you do a class a day and that's what you're doing. And then you, you increase, you do a couple of extras and, um, and then you just keep progressing until you're at the point where I am now getting to train and having a really good, um, system and a really good program that I can follow where, I mean, even if someone wanted to run a marathon or something, you know, it's only going to take an hour a day to go for a run and to, to kind of get into that shape or to learn that habit and then, you know, progressing from there or, you know, with anything, it, it takes, it takes a lot of time to, to learn something. And you can't, as I, as we said before, you can't just expect something to go overnight. It takes a lot of small steps to kind of get the big picture. I want to go into some of these competitions. Um, I'm not fully familiar with all the ones you've done, but I'm interested in like nerves, anxiety, like around performing, like how, what sort of going into an event, what do you sort of view as success or failure? Like how do you leave an event feeling? Is it, I'm just interested, is it, do I leave everything out there? That's a success because I didn't leave, I left every stone unturned. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, with the Perth comps, it's not as much of a, a nerve wracking thing as more. It's more of enjoyment when I do these ones because mostly I'll do like a pairs one with my coach or my partner. And, you know, that's more enjoyable where, um, the, the big ones is when you're in a stadium and you've got all these people watching you and, you know, you've got no one else to rely on but yourself. So last year in uh, November, I did the Down Under CrossFit Championships um, and that was my first national comp. So went over there, you know, I'd only been doing this for two years, stepping on the big stage, freaking out. Like I'm still such, so I felt so young still and going out there, didn't go as hard as I did, wanted to in certain events, you know, was very um, uh, not restricted, but uh, didn't lay it all out on the not table. Not fully trust yourself? Yeah, didn't fully trust myself in that way. So from when I look at myself there and then I progress, you know, eight months later to the Torian Pro this year, which was the, the main national one, the semi-final we spoke about a little bit earlier, I felt a lot more comfortable on the floor. So I was like, wow, okay, so this is only the second time I've been out there, but the mistakes I've made on the floor are less. I feel a lot more comfortable. I'm not allowing the crowd to kind of influence how I'm going. Um, I kind of just stay in my own lane. Um, and then we come back from the comp I just did. So I just did the down on the championships for the 2023. So a year later from my first big one and I finished second there, but it's, it's almost like the crowd aren't even there anymore. It's just like another training day. So I feel like the more comfortable you get in uncomfortable situations or positions, because, you know, having five, 10,000 people just like staring at you, working out, not wanting to, you know, screw up a workout or not screw up a movement or being afraid to fail a lift. You like you can't be afraid to fail lifts because people are watching you. You've just got to try to trust everything you've put into place in training before that. So I feel like um, that kind of leads into life as well. You've just got to trust everything you've done into the the main thing that you're focusing on, everything you've done around that. You've just got to trust yourself um, and just know that the results are um, – have come from the work you've put in. So mm. yeah, I feel like just confidence is everything. Yeah, confidence is everything. It's it's hard, isn't it, to 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 trust what you've done. I feel like there can be like a real perfectionism with it. But I've I've been I read a really interesting book about developing confidence and resilience and it talked about how and I'm guilty of this, like 
we want to get better at a thing. So let's say for you, it's performing at an event, but we almost think of a million other ways that how we could get better at performing at an event. But the best, best way for you is to do events and immerse yourself in that experience, reflect on it, be very vulnerable, learn what did I do wrong? What did I do good? And that's the best way to get good at things. I feel like a lot of us want to do things in life, but we try a million other ways to get good at saying, but to, to truly learn from, to truly master something you're doing, it's to fully immerse yourself in that experience. Yeah, you've just got to you've got to do it time and time again. So even the Perth comps, when I do individual ones, um, it's still I still get those nerves because it's still on me, and I still really want to do well. But you're not going to deal with those nerves any better if you just run from them. Um, so yeah, with those big comps, I just want to try and you know get in it, get amongst the action against the best guys every time because that's the only way you can get better. So what sort of feelings do you have post event? Like because it's. It's over three three days or something. Yeah, you, the big ones are over three days. Yeah. So how you must be ab- your body must be absolutely <laughs> fucked. So how how do you how do you feel like your body's exhausted? But is it is it quite rewarding knowing you've trained so hard and you've you put all this energy into saying very worthwhile to you and you've left it all out there? And is that the is that the feeling? Just proud because you've been yeah. able to leave everything there i've gotten a lot better at kind of um you know dealing with my body over the weekends whether that be nutrition getting their body work in so i actually find probably the hardest thing is the adrenaline dumps because you're on such a high you step on the floor you get goosebumps like you've got all these people cheering your name and then the event's done and then you're like you're down but then in two hours you've got another event so you've got to kind of you know relax for a little bit but then g yourself up again so um yeah with the with the events i feel like you've you've got to be brutally honest with yourself with each event, but also there's a, there's like a five minute window, 10 minute window after an event where you can think about it and you can critique yourself, but then you've just got to kind of push it to the side and then you just got to get ready for the next one. So, um, I feel like it's a really good thing. Like even just for life, um, you've, you've, you can critique yourself and what you do and everything, but then it's okay to push it aside for a little bit and focus on the next thing. But then after the competition ends, that's kind of the time to um, kind of see how you did as a whole. And then you can really hone in on, you know, each part you think you could have done better in. Um, but yeah, I think with the competition, it's more the adrenaline dumps than anything. Um, and you can be brutally honest with yourself for a little bit, but then you've got to, you know, put that to the side for a little bit and then you can come back after. An interesting one here about toughness and... You've played a lot of footy, you've been immersed in that culture and there's a whole bravado about toughness. But a book I'm reading, and it's a really powerful quote, it says, real toughness is experiencing discomfort or distress, leaning in, paying attention and creating space to take thoughtful action. It's navigating discomfort to make the best decision you can. What do you think? I mean, it's it's pretty strong. Like you've got to lean into the discomfort I have a really good saying. It's um, I train into discomfort to gain comfort in pain. So, I mean, every day that I'm training and I'm putting myself in pain, I'm putting myself in that situation. So next time I do it, I know that I can do it. Um, so that's just something that I really love. Um, just kind of like thinking it, thinking about. So, you know, it's only going to last for so long that little bit of pain, and you are going to come out the other side, come out of the other side, you know, better for it. So it's okay to lean into the hard times because there's always something better coming, um, or 
the workout's going to end yeah. in my situation. Um, but yeah, I feel like just leaning into that. Um, yeah, that's super, super powerful. So leaning into like the bodily sensations, a lot of people feel like we talk about flow state and all this stuff. There's sort of a misconception with, with runners, like especially how like they almost dissociate, but the book sort of flips on. And the fact is that when they're under real immense pain, they sort of dial into their emotions and their sensations. They're not so aware of it. Yeah. So what's that like for you? I feel like you know it, it it's and it's such a hard thing because you know it's going to happen. So like before the event you know you're going to be putting yourself in this much pain and it's just kind of allowing it to happen. So um yeah, your body wants your body's going to want to give up. Uh, sorry, your mind's going to want to give up before your body and there's a lot that your body can do. Um so I feel like it's just just em- just emptying the tank for myself personally, but yeah, just leaning into it because you know what's going to happen. But also, I when I'm competing, I'm just thinking about all the times I've trained and all those hours and all that work I've put in. That it's going to be over in a short amount of time, but it's n- that short amount of time is nothing compared to the hours and hours I've put in in training that I'm doing this for. Um, so yeah, I feel like you practice for what you're going to be you're going to be performing. Yeah. We talk about the small small wins, and I'm getting really into this space in. Like, you teach yourself and the self-story is huge with, for example, let's say a training session you do, you're doing months and months of training for a big event, but you'll know deep down whether you pushed yourself every last little bit and you'll know whether, you know, for last three, four seconds of a thing you sort of took the gas off. Like, I feel like mastering those little things is so important. I think people, people sort of get complacent almost and think oh like I, I work so hard there but they might have given 90 percent but it creates that story that it's okay to leave leave a little bit out there yep. so how important is it for you to master the little bits of training so that when it, you are in that peak pain you're able to there's that sort of confidence that you can leave everything out there and you're not somebody who you know leaves stuff up to chance yeah um in training as we spoke about a little bit earlier, it's okay to, to fail in training. So go to failure in things, or maybe you try and hit one more rep in a thing and you fail it. Like that's the time to really try and push those things. So you kind of know your limits in the competition. Um, with the comps as well, you, you're not just going against the guys in your heat. You're going against, you know, three or four other heats before you. So you've got to, you've got to be super or hyper aware of, you know, other guys times, how they've done and, certain in those certain aspects so um i feel like with each competition you do i mean you can only learn from each competition you do as well so i feel like each big one every single person does they learn a little bit more about themselves whether it be i could have been held on for five more reps or um i could have ran over the line not just jogged so it's just it comes down to those really fine details and i feel like if you're if you're pushing those things in training and you're seeing what your limits are then you can really just trust your body a lot more when it comes to the actual competition i'm interested in the failing in training because my sort of take in that is especially when it's like around footy culture or whatever people are very scared to they almost feel like they have to be perfect all the time and they have to always be their best but training in essence is is training like I think we almost forget that that it's training for a competition especially in footy and people leave things that they want to try and do whether it's for example, kicking on their left foot a lot. They won't do that ever in training because they're like, 
oh, I don't want people to see me, you know, failing this kick. But then it comes in the game, they're not going to be able to do it because I haven't trained it. Or whether it's going for that mark or taking the game on at training. Like people don't do that and I haven't done that before and I'm learning to. But it's stripping away that fear of judgment or because ultimately how are you ever going to perform in your head if you want to be a certain player or achieve anything? If you can't train it, you're almost going to be pretty hard to just pull it out on competition day. Yeah, I feel like uh, with footy, you've got every weekend, you have a new chance to prove yourself or, you know, perform. And that was a thing that you can probably find a little bit of comfort in is, oh, there's always next week, there's always next week, there's always next week. So I feel like a lot of guys maybe don't put in the work as much as they could in the off-season to get better, uh, for, for AFL anyway, um, where they, those, you know, four or five months you have between the end of the end of the season, between the new season, you don't realise how much better you could get in five or six months if you put in, like, those little one percenters every single day. Um, but then when it comes to the season, like, you can still get better. It's still another five or six months, you know, where you have a whole week of training that you can improve on. Um so I feel like with, with footy, they might get a little bit slack because they're like, oh, there's always next week. I can always do that. Where with CrossFit, the comps are very few and far between. So there's not like a lot. So um, you really just have to know that all of the training you've put in, you, you have to leave it all out on the comp floor because you might not get another opportunity for six months. And then, you know, once that competition's over, everyone forgets about it where um, – with footy, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you don't really remember three three games ago how many touches or how many goals I kicked, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I feel like with CrossFit, because there are so many, uh, so little opportunities to kind of improve yourself, you've got to put it all out there where I feel like sometimes with footy, you can kind of get just trapped in the rat race where oh, there's always next week to prove myself. Um, that's just how I used to see it anyway. Mm. I guess how I used to see it, if I had to put in... As I said, so if I had to put in 75% of the work that I put in now with all my one percenters, I would have been a completely different player. Um, and, you know, that's just what I have um, advice I have to anyone playing footy and, like, those aspirations is on the days you're not training with your club or your team, just go for go do 100 kicks on your left foot or, you know, go have an hour of, you know, kicking at the goal because it's not going to tire you out, but those little tweaks, those little one percenters is what's going to improve your actual game. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, have you had many sort of injuries <laughs> and setbacks on CrossFit journey? No, no. Like my knee was still coming good, obviously. So I had it six months before I started CrossFit. Um, but if and I'm, you know, miles ahead of any strength I've ever lifted in the gym before or playing football or um, any times I've ever lifted weights. And that's just purely because of the ex- extras I do and the accessories, making sure I do all the little, you know, the body work to make sure I'm not niggly. Um, yeah, there's been no real injuries just because I feel like CrossFit is a very well-rounded thing. So it's not where you're just hammering one one body part all the time. You're kind of working your full body. So even though your full body might feel a little bit sore, um, you're never just like smashing your knees or smashing your elbows. There are certain movements, certain workouts that happen, but as long as you're managing your recovery, as I said, outside of the gym and doing all your accessories, then I feel like you can, yeah, unless there's a freak accident, yeah, there's actually not much room for injury, yeah, yeah. I think. 
If you could only pick five CrossFit exercises for the rest of your career, what are you picking and why? Far out. It's a hard one. Probably, probably a back squat. So I mean, that might not be a CrossFit movement, but <laughs> uh, a back squat just for that that absolute leg strength. Um, probably a um, a clean and jerk, just because those legs. Then you also press the press the weight overhead. So just like an all all round, you're picking it up from the floor, so all through your posterior chain, strengthening all that. Your lower back, and then you're pressing overhead, so working that stability. Um, I feel like running, like running is such a staple in probably most things. Um, so yeah, just being able to keep that, you know, long endurance fitness or short, you can do sprints, uh, and then probably a little bit more CrossFit movements. Um, don't hate a wall ball. So, you know, just chucking a wall, a ball above a line, uh, and then probably just a dumbbell snatch just for like a, an all body thing. So you, you've got a bit of pressing, you're using your legs, you're using your whole body. Um, yeah, it's just, it's that's such a hard one because the the movements are never ending. Maybe a ring muscle up as well. Yeah, what when you're doing running? Is there any like I don't know? For me, this is just when I do running. It almost sometimes is that voice in your head that you feel like you're taking away from your strength, mm-hmm. like your your strength, like your power, which you are to some extent. Yeah, but it's that's the, that's the nature and the beast of CrossFit. Like you're not gonna maximize maybe your your squat because you're compromising five ten percent for your running and your aerobic side. Yeah. So how have you? I don't know if, if if this has been a struggle, but to deal with the fact that you can't be the best fully at everything, but it's sort of the compromise so that you can perform at sort of all things. That's what kind of CrossFit is. It's consistency. So it's being consistent at all things is what's going to make you probably the best you can be. So there are people who specialize in certain things and then fall apart in other things. So. Um, but for myself, I'm just trying to be like that really well, well-rounded kind of all-round, all-round athlete. So my top end, my top end strengths and my high numbers, like they're still not anywhere close to what those top guys are. But I'm finding that my consistency with all of those other events is kind of what he- holds me in good, um, good stead with them. Like holding my placings around what they are. Um, so yeah, I feel like there are times in the se- in your off season so my off season is after the semi final in may until you know probably down under which is what i just did so you got like a good 5 or 6 months just to for me try and get really strong like the the cardio side might not be as crazy but just a lot of high skill things getting you know refining the little things because i've always found you know from my football background and from athletics when i was younger that i can kind of bring my running back up pretty quickly and you know all of my cardio sides uh, side up pretty fast so yeah i feel like just trying to be the best well-rounded is what you know holds you in good stead against the best guys how important have mentors been in this field um, and learning from not only your girlfriend but the elite people at your gym? Yeah. Uh, so the probably the most elite guy at my gym well, is our coach, Costa. So he's been around the sport for, for 10 years now and he's gone to multiple semifinals. You know, he's gone to Asia to compete and he, he understands what the competition side of it was like. So when I was... Um, just starting out, he was really valuable with just giving me, you know, tips and tricks or um, just kind of that push in training that I needed to see someone who was so much better. Um, now that I've kind of, you know, I'm, I won't, won't say surpassed, but now that I can kind of uh, rely on myself for training and I don't um, train with him anymore, I just kind of 
have him there to speak about certain workouts. Um, it's always good to have someone who knows more about things than you because, you know, you've always got to be learning. Um, now my partner and I, we have a really good friend who lives in Wollongong, who's like the third fittest in the world. So to have, we just came back from a month over there training with him and you just see it's a different level as well. So you might have really good guys who, who, you know, locally. And I feel like there's a massive proximity bias. You're like, wow, he's so yeah. good. Cause I always train against him. But then when you take yourself out of that situation and go somewhere else against someone even better, it's like, wow, there's still so much so much left, so much untapped potential that you can get to. So, um, so you feel like if you're the best in the room, you're in the wrong room? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's really hard because obviously Perth is so far away from everything. So Grace and I, um, who's my partner, we, we just push each other so hard every day and that's just what we've got to do because we know there's other people on the other side who we're not training with or um, that we don't get the chance to see until the big comps. Um but yeah, for sure. I think if if you're clearly head um, head and shoulders above the rest, then you're probably in the wrong spot. How do you switch off? Because I feel like anyone who's got this huge drive to be better, sometimes it can you can do so well at the process. But we talk about recovery being so important, but being able to switch off mentally and almost forget that you're working so hard and you're trying to achieve this thing just to sort of I don't know take that ambient anxiety off off your chest yeah i think once once we step foot at home it's um you know you've still got to focus on the recovery so like every night i stretch for for an hour so i'm just there just to try and make my body feel that little bit better try and open up my hips everything that we've done in that day just because i know that's going to improve um but i'm not thinking about crossfit when i'm doing that that's kind of a thing routine habit. yeah a routine and habit so i'm just you know relaxing watching a movie um but yeah, it's as soon as I step into the house or out of the gym, that's kind of that's kind of mm. it for the day. Um, you know, there's always going to be things that come up in conversation, or you might see something on your phone that'll spark a conversation with someone, um, and that's not a bad thing because it's still such a big part of your life, and you've always got to you know have it around. But I feel like having that downtime and letting your body relax, and you know, switching off for the last couple of hours before you go to sleep is super important as well. What do you think about? It might be a hard question for you to answer, but the price tag, because I feel like people see see you and they'll be like, fuck, I wish I was that big or I wish I was doing what he's doing. But then they're not willing to do the hard work. I know we sort of alluded to it before, but we yeah. want to be like people, but we don't want to have the associated price tag. The things that make them – so if you want to be him, you have to sort of have yeah. – like you do an hour of stretching a night. Like yeah. how many people alone from the training will do that to – maximize what they get out of their sport yeah it's it's a it's a super hard one because i mean i do everything now because i i mean i've I've, you probably have 10 to 12 years in this thing so it's not a long time so and 10 to 12 years isn't a long time in your life and then you've got a whole life to live Mm. so i lived from you know i mean obviously when you're very young you don't do much but until i was 20 years old you know i had an awesome life playing footy mates drinking going out so I've experienced all those things I don't need to experience those anymore I've done that whole life so now I've given you know you have 10 years and you're like if I give everything to this like I can you know live live the rest of my life without thinking what if and what thinking and without you know having any regrets that you haven't put 100% into this so yeah I mean there's a price tag with everything and if people aren't willing to put in the work, then that just makes it better for me because I know that I'm going to, that I want to, and that, you know, I've only got a small period on this earth and I'm going to put in all my time and 
to be in that limelight and, you know, have the rewards that I want, then, you know, you've got to be all in. In life, we must choose our regrets. You always, There's always going to be something else you could have done with your time. It's just what regret you would rather live with, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. There's like a thing where, I mean, some people, if they didn't, you know, go for that girl, you know, what what if? Or, you know, if I didn't put everything into the into the sport like I did, like I would always have that what if. I always have what ifs about footy. You know, when I was younger, I could have been so much better than what I was. And, you know, there's – but now that i found something new – you don't think about that as much, but there's definitely, yeah, you've got to find something that you, you're really passionate about so you don't have those what-ifs. So to sort of wrap it up, I'm interested because I, I feel like I need to do this more because then I can, when I reflect on this episode, what what can we sort of expect from you? What sort of, you sort of mentioned your goals before, but um, what's on sort of the horizon horizon for you? Yeah, so we're actually uh, in two weeks. We go to a, to America. Uh, my partner and I. So my partner finished uh, first in a worldwide qualifier for a, a competition in um, in America. So we're going to go train with our training crew over there, uh, who writes our program and go live there for a few weeks. And then I'm going to go watch her compete. And then basically we come back mid Jan, and then our season kind of starts from February to to May. So we've got the Open that starts with the worldwide thing, uh, and then we just move on as it progresses uh but uh, apart from that we're just going to keep it pretty simple i mean a a lot of people might find it boring but that's just what you've got to you might have to be boring to get the results that you want um so yeah we're going to keep it pretty similar for the next year or so um have no plans to move anywhere or anything we've got it pretty good in perth i mean probably one of the best places in the world over here i think i think that simple is good i feel like we do get obsessed with the novelty of new things yeah and we can't, and we sort of don't appreciate what we have and how much we can do with what we have and nurture what we have. It's almost, that's a very Western 21st century mentality of we've got to do something new for everything to be grand. Well, we've got it pretty good. Yeah, people think that you've got to be constantly changing things up, but generally the the simple thing works and the, um, the, the one-minded... Uh, the one-minded attitude and knowing what you want and how you get it um, and just keeping things pretty simple I think is the way to go if you're if you're just solely focused on one thing so yeah any concluding thoughts no thanks for having me I like speaking into the the mindset part uh, a little bit more I feel like people that's super undervalued and underrated even the the mental health aspects and the the way people go about things um, in their life they might be scared to go and pursue something just because of what they're a bit feared to be judged, but nah, I really like the, the in-depth thought. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. There's a lot of insights there, and I'm sure we get a lot out of it, guys. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you again for listening. Zane has so much to offer, and if you want to follow along with his journey, I've put his social media into the show notes below. I can't wait to see what he achieves in the next five years. See you guys in the next one. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.